0: I was under the sky, no new horizons Maybe there is no one else do- Hello listener and welcome back to the Campbell's Football's Podcast with your host Dr Grant Campbell in the hot seat once again for another episode of the oldest show with Good Crack I'm joined for this episode uh, by Scottish Cup winner Greg Tansey. Greg, a warm welcome to the show Hi Grant, nice to be here, nice it, to meet you It's nice to meet you as well How, how are you coping during these uh, tough times at the moment? Well, it's a bit strange, isn't it? For everyone, I
1: don't think anyone would have experienced anything like this. Um, Here in Liverpool, the the rain's just started as well. It's been raining all day, so um, we haven't even got the sunny weather to 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 enjoy. So, um, so yeah, it's been strange, and I can imagine everyone's. A lot of people are struggling with it anyway, just being stuck inside. Uh, But I'm glad I'm getting to it.
0: How have you been keeping yourself entertained during the lockdown?
1: well the dog's asleep next to me and I've been walking my dog quite a lot. Uh-huh. Um he's 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 been spoiled really and he's been getting two or three walks a day. Yeah. So he's he's made up with the current lockdown situation. <laughs> um I don't think he wants it to end. Um but hopefully it does soon.
0: I think I think pets in general are getting more than their fair share of treatment during this period. I mean, for those who are regular listeners to my own podcast, I've got two guinea pigs and they are getting so much attention; it's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It, it, It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I see a lot of my mates are looking for, are looking for dogs now as well, and um, other other pets. So it's, I think it's good to
0: have animals around particularly dogs for me because yeah. it makes the house a home I think mm-hmm. so it's, um, it's really yeah it's
1: really nice to have around the place
0: yeah and it's a really important time especially because for people's uh, during this period mental health is uh, keeping a strong mental health during these very difficult times is fundamentally important. Um, Greg, it's really great to have you on the show. I'm really looking forward to looking about your fabulous career which you've had uh, both in Scotland and down south. Um, I love your Liverpool accent. It's absolutely fantastic. And I think it's a fantastic way to start because, you know, my, my first question I always ask my guests is what made you want to go into football in the first place? And I'm taking it because you're from down the, the great city of Liverpool. You must have been connected with that uh, the Liverpool team back in the day, and and maybe some of their players as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, football in Liverpool is is um, it's like a religion. Uh, you're, you're pretty much born into it. I had a I had a ball at my feet since I was about. Well, as far as I can remember, I've always been kicking a ball. One of my first memories is is uh,
2: kicking a ball in me granddad's back garden. Mm. Um, and you know, there's, there's just been just been
1: loads of great memories since then. Um, my granddad used to my granddad used to play for Everton in the late fifties, early sixties. So I was born into being a blue. Okay. Um, so it was it's one of them being an Everton fan. You're born into it. You don't pick it <laughs> because if you were going to pick a team, you'd obviously pick Liverpool. Yeah. But um, but just sort of being born into that. Um, there's not a lot of blues around in terms of like ratio between red to blue so in the schoolyard would always be Evan v Liverpool and there'd be about five of us and 20 of them (laughs) Uh, so it probably made me a good player in that way
0: yeah yeah I, I mean everton Liverpool games certainly for me growing up were always dominated by the red half of the city but but everton have had their their great days as well and i I, I think very famously of the the Tim Cahill boxing celebration at the corner flag when they beat Liverpool at, at goodison park and that was absolutely fantastic but what does Everton as a club mean to you um,
1: well it's, it's been it's been at the past my family really for... Well since my granddad was playing, so best part was forty years, probably over. And um, they still look after me grandma really well. Uh, take her out take her out to, to lunches and stuff like that with all the ex ex players' wives. Brilliant. So, you know, the the they're, they're a real they real family club. Mm. They really look after their own. Really look after their own which which was which is I really respect them for even though you know, even though I support them, um the my respects grew. As they've sort of got older and see more. They've done um what they've done to me, Grandma. So, um, so yeah, they're, they're, a special club. they're a special club.
0: And they've got some very special players over the years. I mean, are there any inspirations that you take from the Everton teams of yesteryear? Um,
1: well, growing up, uh, one of my heroes was Duncan Ferguson. I used to love him. When I started going the games, that's when he was pretty much at his peak. You know, we scored the header against Liverpool. Um, I remember that one. In the, I think it was two 0 We won, and it was just yeah, it was brilliant. I think, I think that's one of his first games there.
0: And since then I think he uh, was unbelievable, it's good to have him around the club now as well. Yeah, he's absolutely fantastic and as a true Scott myself, I think he's done fantastically well. And He is one of the great guys at Everton, isn't he? Obviously some managers have come and went as well, I mean, um, who, who's done well for you in the Everton setup? Probably someone like David Moyes, I would imagine.
1: Right, um, I'd say, in the Everton set in terms of managers, I'd say David Moyes Was was unbelievable I'd have him back tomorrow Yeah If we could uh, I think what he did For the What he did for the club Was mm-hmm. Was unbelievable Really unprecedented A little bit Because we Getting a taste Of the sort of Champions League football Which You know Is, is
2: unaired of forever Everton really yep. In these times You know We've obviously been there before But
1: um, In these times Now again mm-hmm. You
0: don't really get that a lot No you certainly don't and, no no sorry it was great to see that mm-hmm. I mean the other managers that I sort of take note of are people like Walter Smith who who did very well obviously at Ranges and you know obviously they had a great period at Everton but Everton have always for me been a club that have maybe underachieved a little bit they, they certainly when David Moyes was there they were doing really well and they were getting in that top six but they're sort of bottom of the top ten now and you know that maybe isn't the level that Everton fans should be aspiring to get to no, it, well, it's definitely not the level that the fans expect.
1: You know, I think the club's been underperforming for the last, last number of years, to be honest. Uh, there's been a lot of changes, as, as you said, at managerial level. A lot of changes, and that can cause disruption in the, in the, um, in the, in the squad as a whole. Yeah. Obviously, com- combine that with us being very active in the transfer market, spending a lot of money, it then, in turn, puts pressure on the manager, and then it takes a while for the for the team to get sort of gel together. Yes, yeah. So yeah. I think we've had that problem over the last over the last four or five years, to be honest. Um, mm. And we haven't really got out to that yet. Yeah. I mean, so I think I think probably this has happened at a good time for us this this lockdown because I think it's a good time for Everton to sort of take stock.
0: To see where we can go from here yeah. And move on Yeah No, I absolutely agree I mean um, Let's move on To talking about Your own career Greg Because it's a, a Really interesting one Because you started Your career at Stockport County Which is a, a A club that is Of significant interest to mine Because I had Oliver Holt On a previous podcast Who's a big Stockport County fan I mean what, 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 yeah. what does Stockport mean To you as a club? Um, well t- Stockport
1: obviously is where I got my chance to turn professional. You know, I signed there as a as a schoolboy at thirteen, um, and So and working my way through all the all the age groups until I eventually um, made my debut for the first team. I think I played over a hundred games for them, but it was a real, you know, a real good um, a good period for me because you know you used to I got used to playing in front of a. a decent crowd, a loud crowd at a, at mm-hmm. a decent stadium, and um, they're always supported very well, so yeah. they the, you know, never ceases to amaze me how many fans they get, and the die-hard, die-hard yeah. fans they've got there. Yeah. Um, it's good to see they've got a new, well, got, they've got Jim Gannon back with some of the old players like mm-hmm. Paul Temple and it's a good good squad and good partnership to have. I think, I think they'll do really well when yeah. this football starts again.
0: When young players start out, do they need to go into an environment where there is a bit of a crowd, there is a bit of a buzz, there is a bit of anticipation? Do you think that's how you kind of got ingrained early on and made your way in the game? Did it help a lot?
1: Yeah, I think, I think what's essential for a young player when you start your career is as soon as you can um, be around the first team. Mm. Whether it's, you see these lads who, who go to the 23. 22-23 at the Liverpool's you know Everton so to speak Man United, and they haven't been anywhere near the first team they haven't really tasted what a yep. what a professional game is like because the level the level it goes up um, is tenfold the intensity is a lot more you know the fans want the man things off you and yep. um, Got lads, men men playing for the mortgages, mm-hmm. so this is what develops it as a player. Yeah. Um, and I think because I got it young, I think that it helped me massively, yeah.
0: Uh. Talk to me about the setup at Stockport because I don't really know much of the, the managers or the players that were around the club, but you could maybe shed some light on some of the people that made it a great experience for you. Um well well
1: there was there was, was three three that I can that really helped me in me in my young years at Stockport. Um, there was uh, Alan Lord, who is a, uh, a talent scout for Stockport. He brought in a lot of a lot of good players for Stockport over the last ten years. now well, he's done he's done wonders for the, for the club. To be honest, brought lads in um, that didn't cost a lot of money from non-league and have done very really well for us. Mm-hmm. He was my manager on the 15 level him and Peter Ward who also used to play for Stockport himself um, so I learned a lot from them Mm -hmm. they were great and then I went into the youth team and joined me uh, my apprenticeship at them BYTS Craig Madden was was the manager there Mm -hmm. and he was brilliant with me really, he really developed me and really you know He's probably the re- he's the reason that, you know that I got I got me I got me first team, first mm-hmm. team appearances yeah. and, and you know uh, I learned a lot from. Him.
0: When you started out at Stockport, were you a guy that was determined to succeed? Were you a guy that trained very hard?
1: Yeah, I I believe I believe for any play you've gotta you've got to you can't just you can't just sort of I wasn't a player to sort of you know take it easy in training and then come Saturday just turn it on. I don't think it works like that. Mm-hmm. I think you've got to be it's got to become a habit for you so you've got to do it day in day out yeah at the same intensity and then on a Saturday it just comes into fruition then. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah. That's the way I always wanted to do it anyway.
0: Yeah, no absolutely. Of the players you played with at Stockport, who are the guys that people maybe listening to this will want to check out and follow in in terms of your managing your management, your career as a player, who who really made it a great experience for you on the pitch at Stockport? Um,
1: well, it was. I remember uh, Ashley Williams, who used to play for Wales
0: and Swansea and Everton. Um, he was centre He was centre back for uh, oh, Stockport, wow. and he was. Yeah, and he was brilliant when I was there. Yeah, he was. He, he's a
1: top player. and um, a great lad. He barely. Um, he really helped me when he was there uh, i used to clean his boots actually so um i made sure they were nicer on the back <laughs> here i made sure they were all right for him so yeah he, he was a he was a very very good player and he's um he's one that really helped me through when yeah. I was when I broke into the first
0: team. Yeah. Did you think that a guy like Ashley Williams or the caliber of him would go on to represent Wales and obviously score a massively important goal in a in a European Championship quarter final against Belgium? I mean, what what a what a career the man had. Oh, I know. I know. Well, at the time when I was
1: when I was there, you can spot a player, and he had every attribute you want a centre half. Mm-hmm. You know, quick, strong, yeah, good on the ball. He had the lot. Mm-hmm. he was a leader so I wasn't surprised when he got that move to go on mm-hmm. but I don't think anyone would have expected the the level to which he played at yeah you know, I thought he was outstanding so you know that's all credit to him what he's done um, but yeah you could see you could see he had something definitely
0: yeah yeah. I was noticing here you spent six years at St- at Stockport County that, that's quite a long uh, time uh, for a player to stay at one particular club yeah yeah, but it's because it's because I really
1: enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed sort of getting me first team football, and I felt I felt really at home there, um, really at home then. And as I said, you know, I really enjoyed it. Um, I was just at the time at the time when you first when you first um, sign pro when you're in the first team you can ask any young pro it's not about the money yep. definitely not about the money you just want to get in and around the first mm-hmm. team and experience that level of yep. uh, professionalism and, and competing at that at the high level yep. um, you know so it's definitely not about the money any, I'd say to any young player who is already 18, 19 or already thinking about money you know Think about you, um, your development. think about trying to get in the first team, the money will follow that. Yes. Go
0: you ask yourself and that'll come. Yeah, that'll no, come. no,
1: absolutely.
0: Um, I, yeah. I think that's very important and very useful advice and I hope people were listening to that because I think that's very important. Yeah. I mentioned Ashley Williams earlier on in terms of big profile characters. Did you learn off other people within that Stockport County team to help you kind of develop your own career?
1: Yeah, um, there was a another player called Tony Dinning um, that that was great with me. I actually made my debut against MK Dons with him centre midfield. Mm-hmm. And um, he's played for he played for Wolves back in the day. He um, he played for a lot of good clubs at a high level as well. Yeah. So it was great to, uh, it was great to learn off him. Yeah. During that game, the first my first team debut, he talked me through a lot of the game. Mm-hmm. taught me through a lot of mm-hmm. the game, and it was sort of an invaluable experience he gave me. Yeah. And it was, um you know, it, it was. I remember it was it was a nerve wracking time when I made my debut, but you know it turned out to be a great day.
0: When you're making your debut for a club like Stockport, how nervous are you?
1: Ah, uh, um, extremely nervous. I know I, I didn't sleep properly the night before. Um, I remember I couldn't eat the day of the game. I couldn't eat because me, because it was that nervous You know, I couldn't eat. Um, I just wanted to get to the get to the ground quickly and get on the pitch. Because when you get on the pitch, all the nerves sort of die away. You yeah. just do things. Um, but yeah, the the build up to it, you know, because I found out on the Friday that I was starting. Yeah. And i would never i never had an appearance before. So it wasn't blooded into the team where they had twenty minutes here, ten minutes there off the bench. I was just getting thrown straight in. Yeah. Um, so it was a it was a it was a bit of a shock when, when I got told yeah. uh, by Jim Gannon. And um, but, you know, it was very you know, it was very it was a one of the best experiences I've had as a footballer. I think everyone remembers
0: the debut, yeah. and it, you know it, it's something I'll always remember. Yeah, and thankfully Luke sounded like you did. You played well, and you didn't make any high-profile errors because it would be an absolute nightmare, oh, no, especially no. if you were like a goalkeeper who makes a howler on their league debut. You know, I, I remember David de Gea from Manchester United making an absolute howler. I think it was against West Brom on his debut, and you know yeah. I thought he was going to develop into a, a really poor career for him, almost the same as what happened with Masibo Taibi. But he ended up well. He still yeah. is one of United's best ever goalkeepers
1: yeah well that's credit to him yeah credit to him he turned he's a top quality keeper yeah. so you know it's, his mentality is, is there already yeah um, yeah, I got I got my match on my debut, so that really helped. Oh, that, that helps
0: day. a lot. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it helps a lot. So if, it, I mean, I don't know if I'd have made a mistake during that game, Yeah. it, it could have it affected you going forward, yeah. but um, roughly enough, a think game.
0: How important is it to have good teammates around you that speak... You mentioned people that would speak to you during a game. Communication on a football pitch is absolutely paramount, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think... I think you have to be loud on a football pitch, you have to you have to shout instructions to your teammates if you don't think they're doing something or they need to do something better. Yeah. Or even are well done. Because players love feedback. Players love feedback. I used to love it as a player where mm-hmm. you get some praise or you know, you get acknowledged by your peers that you've done something right. And um, so it it's it's it, it is massive communication in mm-hmm. football, um, good or bad. Yeah. I think you know, you have players
0: who, who struggle with confidence because yes. they're having a bad game, sort of go into the shell. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's massively important. Yeah. to No. To, to yeah. Communication. No, absolutely. The reason I asked that is because I used to be involved with a junior football team called Allen United up in the northeast of Scotland. and yeah. There's a few players who played in that team really great, talented football players, but very quiet. They never heard them on a, on a game, and I was like, you've got to speak, you've got to communicate, you've got to show what you want it. And, and that, that's why I wanted to ask, because constructive communication is important. You don't want somebody absolutely ramming to you and criticizing you for a bad ball every game. You, everybody can play one bad pass, but it's all about constructive communication, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you're spot on with that constructive communication, I think, you know, as a footballer you have to have thick skin, you know, you've ha- you've got to be able to, to be told if you've done something wrong, you know, but it has to be done in the right way, as mm-hmm. you said, it's got to be constructive, Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think most players appreciate that, if they've got a good mentality, appreciate it. but I think that's where, if they don't appreciate, that's where they don't the yeah. players don't appreciate it, don't go further than the game, that's, yeah. that's the way it is.
0: No, absolutely. Talk to me about Jim Gannon, because he's a guy who's uh, been around the game. I mean, what what impact did he have on your career? Um, he had, he had a, he had a, he had a big, big
1: impact from the start of my career. You know, he, he, he's, very, he's very good tactically, um, tactically, and he's got a certain way he wants to play, which which did suit me to an extent. Um, I took I took a bit longer to develop mm-hmm. um, into sort of I was I was a late bloomer in terms of like height wise and, and things like that. So um so it, it was a bit of a it wasn't a struggle for me but it, it took a while for me to get used to 15 team yeah. football. Um, and his standards were massive for me. He expected he
0: expected a lot out of me. So it was good to have him the sort of set of the benchmark that i had to i had to reach yeah yeah no absolutely i was just noticing here on on this feed here that uh you and ryan crother who used to be at stockport and um, were invited to milan to look with liverpool's youth team yeah yeah i mean that was a, that was a great
1: experience as well unbelievable uh, yeah it was a great experience that and um, obviously training training with the first team and things like that and um, because all lobbies a all his, red plays for Liverpool. I was a big fan of Steve Jarr growing up just the way he played. Yeah. He was in my position because he was top draw, so you know, it was great to meet him.
0: And obviously and obviously Steve and Jarrar are now managing in the Scottish Premiership. Did you think back then he would go into management?
1: I I thought I thought he's such a legend. I thought I thought he'd go into. I thought I thought he would go into coaching, which he did. at Liverpool. Um, I didn't see him going to Rangers. To be honest, that's a that's a tough tough job to take. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a bit of a poison chalice, if I'm honest. Mm. You know, this, this it, it's a big the, the expect the expectation there are huge. Yes. Um, So I think he's done really well, to be honest, his his, uh, Europa League campaign with them has been top draw. Uh, I don't think anyone can dispute that. So... Going back to
0: your question I, I don't I expect them to do coaching at Liverpool and sort of and go
1: into the first team as a first team coach Yeah. know behind clock laying from
0: yeah. um, and I think that's what he'll do in the end Yeah so do I um, Let's talk about finally um, your last point about Stockport you scored uh, 14 goals uh, for the club do you have a favourite goal that you have in mind? Uh, favourite
1: one uh, I'd say I'd say the one against Last, uh the sort of last game this season. Um, I, th- I don't know. I can't remember. Who it was against. I think it was Shelton or someone. And I picked. I picked the ball up about uh, about 35 yards out. Sh- you know, I just heard the crowd saying shoot. So uh, It was late on in the game. So I had a shot, and luckily enough, it, it hit the crossbar and went in. Yeah. So yeah. That's probably one. Best ever goals for them
0: Yeah, no, absolutely um, You then moved to Inverness, Cali, Thistle Which is an extraordinary geographical shift uh, Why the Highlands?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, basically was Teddy Butcher was there um, Teddy Butcher, obviously is an England legend, like isn't he? Um, so when he rang me and sort of showed interest And wanted to see me um, I, I couldn't say no To yeah. be honest um, And when you meet him, he's exactly what you'd expect Life and life character you know, really motivating and um, and when I, when I met him, he sold me on the place. Really, I, I, I you know I really liked liked what I saw. Yeah. Um, and as you said, it was a massive geographical sort of change, and yeah. it took me a few took me a few months to get used to it. To be honest, mm-hmm. first time living on my own and all little bits bobs yeah. like that. So, um, so yeah, it took me, took me a couple of uh, months to get used to it. But then in the
0: end, uh, you know, I, I did I did well for so them. Yeah. You always wanted to impress. someone with Terry Butcher as well. Yeah. No. Absolutely. When I think of Terry Butcher, I think of that bloodstained England shirt, and that's just what Terry is, isn't he? A, just a guy passionate and just wanting to win at all costs. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He's. he's I mean, he used to stand and he used to sit in the stands most of the time, and you could you could hear him shouting from the stands. Um, he was almost like a fan, but he shouted like, shout louder than a fan, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you just, as, you, as you'd expect with that, you know, seeing that photo with the bandage around his head, that's exactly what you get. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's a multi remater
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, of the players you played with at Cali Thistle first time round, I should say, uh, who made it a great experience? Um, well, Johnny Hayes
1: was there uh he's you know he's gone on to be a top top player you know he's you know he's he he was a great lad to to be around in Vinesh with. Um, and yeah. you know we used to we had plenty of plenty of nights out there uh so yeah i really enjoyed that richie Fora as well is a was a massive influence in the dressing room you know he was he was more than a captain i'd say because he was really really in touch with him with the manager, the board and the players, so he was that
0: great little sort of goal between mm-hmm. that you could ask him questions and any ask them for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's interesting because whenever I think of Richie Fulan I always think of him as a guy that was always getting sent off and it was a real shame because he had the makings of an absolutely brilliant career and I possibly feel he didn't quite get to that level. Yeah.
1: But uh, yeah, I, I told you. see he was a top player. He was a top player for the mm. Um But yeah, what you see, what you see on the pitch, you know. Obviously, he's a winner. He wants to win at all costs. And sometimes he used to cross the line a little bit. Yeah. Well,
0: as a, as a guy in the changing rooms, he was brilliant. Yeah. Really, you know,
1: top draw. I had a lot of respect for him.
0: And what was Johnny Hayes like on a night out? <laughs>
1: He was. He was. He was great. He's, he'd not. He, he
0: wasn't. He wasn't loud. He just looked up last He seems like a bit of a lad. I've, I've. I've. seen him a few times when he's been out when he was at Aberdeen because uh, I, I. Adam yeah. Rooney used to live out my way and I, I. I. knew Adam quite well and, you know, Johnny yeah. Hayes would be out with him quite a bit and you know I've not met him but I've seen him around and he, he seems like a really top guy. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's
1: brilliant. Um, he's. Uh. Obviously, he's settled down a lot now. He's got a kid, and you yeah. know, he's really settled down. And, and uh, good luck to him with that. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he did use to love an adult, as we all did. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't any, anything anything out of ordinary. was just a great
0: lad to be around. Do you, I, it was a very it comes on to a very serious question. I was I'll have a little bit of laugh with that one, but it's a very serious question because off the pitch do you think it's important that players enjoy people's lives outside of football because you know when you're on the pitch you're a team but when you're off the pitch a lot of people kind of go their separate ways keep themselves to themselves is it important to have a core group of people that you can stick around and have good relationships with off the pitch
1: yeah absolutely it, it, it really adds that sense of, um, that sense of um, a team and you know the team
0: bonding mm-hmm. is, is invaluable really uh, and that's what you need You need that sort of Tight-knit group Yeah Which
1: we added in Meness. Um You need that tight-knit group And that's how you go And win things And that's how you do well In leagues And um, The one thing about football Is What people don't really know Is When When, when lads are moving All over the country You know you, It's hard to settle In just new places You know You, you literally Turn up with your boots In the car Yeah Got to, got to live there for a year or two mm-hmm. and you've literally got to hit the ground running you've got to get used yeah. to everything while you're training mm-hmm. um, and plenty of lads I would imagine I know I was one you sort of put your life on hold really for football um, I was I was probably one of the biggest you know I was one of the biggest for that uh, you know I, it was a massive massive sacrifice massive sacrifice which you have to do if you want to play at that level and um, You know, some lads are are, are lucky and they've got, they've got sort of, they they move the girlfriend or partner around with them. But obviously if they've got kids and things like that, you know, you move around so much as a football, it's also hard for them to settle. So there's a lot of factors in
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very important point that you make. What about training methods under Terry Butcher? Was he very old school?
1: Yeah, he was. Yeah, I got that impression. Um, yeah, pre-seasons were unbelievable. Like pre-seasons, we just brutally until you fucking run anymore. Yeah, brutal, brutal. We didn't touch a ball for two weeks when we were first there. Wow. I, yeah, I, right, I was there. I was, I was thinking, it's, you know, I haven't. We just running here. Um, I remember I brought boots into the changing room and he, he sort saw of laughed and said, "You won't be needing them for a while." Uh, and um, yeah, yeah, I didn't. It was just back to the wall stuff. Head down, get yeah. through it. If you can. Um, but it sets you up in good stead for the season because our fitness levels were sky high.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, fantastic. Um, after your first stint at Cali, you then go back down south to Stevenage Borough, which is an interesting move. I mean, why Stevenage?
1: First off Hindsight Looking back I should never have gone there um, It was At the time It was They were a club That was In the playoff places In League 1 To go into the championship And they just mm-hmm. missed out Just missed out In the Playoff semi I think it was Yeah um, Just missed out So I thought it was Perfect time It was good age I was, uh, it was 23 Good age To, to go down And and, and really impose myself on on League One and, and really get a push a push onto the Championship because I yep. wanted to have a go at that. Yeah, you know I thought it went in that, so I felt like that was a perfect opportunity. And um, when I went there, though, it's, it it is it, no disrespect, it is quite a small club, and you know it became evident at the time that. Mm-hmm. They needed to go up, yeah. And if they didn't go up, there would be a bit of a it'd be a bit of a
0: nightmare there. So. yeah and they've been struggling ever since, haven't they? They've been re- they've been dangling near the bottom of League Two, haven't they? And it's yeah. been a really struggling season for them. It's a real shame what's happened to Stevenage, because i yeah, i think i sure. think of the i think of them as the club that beat Newcastle in the FA Cup three one not that long ago, and you know that was a famous win for them, you know. And it's you know, just seeing a club like that just kind of struggle to survive and and. It's a real, real shame.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it is a shame. It is a real shame. Um, you could see the writing was on the wall a little bit though when I was there. you mm. See it
0: happen. What um, what things were on the wall? Know, was it just a lack of direction within the club off the pitch, or was it just a team that was maybe over over overaged?
1: Um, maybe it was a bit of
0: an overage team was a
1: factor. Mm-hmm. Um. He did have a certain amount of direction to them, and um, I'll give them that. He did have a certain amount of direction, and um, he really chopped and changed the manager though. Yeah. Um, Gary Smith was there when I signed, and he was—he had a really good football philosophy, and that's that really suited me down to the ground. Um, you know, the fans are Stevenage and the board—they're used to do one football. Yeah, that's what they like. And, Guy Smith Never really They never really t- um, Never really Accepted them You mm. know It was always Even when we were Doing well and I think we were Second in the league At one point Near January mm. And they still Weren't happy then
0: Yeah So evidently When When uh, when results Started to change for the worst mm-hmm. Yeah You know The fact
1: Poisonous And got on his back And you know, the, the, the change
0: was made quickly. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You then make your return to the Highlands. I mean, to go back to the club that you had a great experience the first time round must have been an easy decision for you to make, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was a, a no brainer. You know, as I said, I wasn't enjoying my time at and so when the offer came, came up, Mm-hmm. I just thought, right, that's great. Let, let, I want to get my career back on track, so to speak. So I knew it was very important to the next club. was actually to hit the ground running. And, yeah. and I thought I could get that within
0: the nest. Yeah, no, and absolutely. And, well, you certainly were, because, uh, of course, that season that you got back, you were involved in a, a quite fantastic League Cup campaign where you, you come up against Hearts, where you win with nine men, which was quite an astonishing yeah. uh, game of football. And then, of course, you have the Cup final. We'll come to the Cup final in a minute, but. Talk Talk to me about that semi-final yeah. because to beat a Hearts team with nine men is a fantastic accomplishment.
1: Yeah, it was. It was that was my first that. the three minutes.
0: You scored think, as well, didn't you? You scored the the opening goal, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: that was one of the best goals I scored. To be honest, the ball came out to me, and I thought, its one of them you don't really feel it hit your foot.
0: And um, the next minute or next second it was in. Yeah. Um, and I, I was just delighted. Yeah, but
1: that was the first time. First time it started on me since coming back up. Yeah, and that game, was, that game was unbelievable in terms of what I noticed a lot in in Scot- in the Scottish league and um, the SPL in semi-finals and finals or big games. For some reason, the referees tend to get a bit card happy. Mm. The almost want to show them. If you look back on any big game, on any final, semis, there's always more often than not someone sent off,
2: or mm-hmm. a big decision is made, mm-hmm. and not a lot of the time to get it right for me. Yeah,
1: um, interesting. And that was this was that mm-hmm. time. You know, we had yeah. two players sent off, and it was you know we didn't we didn't fe- I didn't feel like we were going to get through. Yeah. Um, but M S being in nest, that's the way we were we yeah. you know, we'd never say die ass shoot and pick cross pops up in the last minute
0: yeah. and you know, opposed the penalties. Yeah. And 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 in a will come on to the subject of penalty shootouts because it's a very interesting yeah. one because in penalty shootouts, what is the first thing that is so important? You just have to make sure that you pick a side and don't change your mind. That is the case, isn't it? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think I think um I think if you main thing is to sort of just keep focused. Try not to think about, you know, uh, try not to think about missing. I know that's obvious, but it can really,
0: it really gets into your head if you yeah. if you walk
1: up thinking don't miss.
0: Yeah. If you're thinking don't miss, you will miss. You know, rather than yeah, rather than mm-hmm. you know, I'm gonna go and score. Yeah, because I always because I, I always think of that Alan Shearer analogy of low and hard." That's what he always says on Match of the Day, and you know it, it's a very true point. And I mean, I, I've never, well, I've, I've never taken penalties in my life. You know, I wear glasses. I'm not, a, not, a, I'm not a football pro, obviously. But when I see people taking penalties, I always say to myself, "Just hit it low and hard." Or, or and every time people just hit him how often do you see penalties hit straight down the middle? And goalkeepers move. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah I, I, I was never one for
1: that, to be honest. Because Sometimes the keeper just stands there and you look a bit stupid. Yeah. So I was never one to go down the middle. Yeah. And yeah, I think I think you have to, you can't change your mind. Yeah. Too big you have to pick your spots
0: and just go with it. Yeah. You win that or, s- unbelievable semi-final against Hearts and then in the final you play Aberdeen which, you know, I've got to admit was one of the worst Scottish cup finals, I've, I've, Sc- Scottish League Cup finals you say, yeah. I've ever watched. It was an absolutely horrendous final and I, I, I'm yeah. going to be open and honest here I, I, I'm an Aberdeen fan so I was obviously delighted Aberdeen won the final but it was a yeah. dreadful game of football. I mean, that penalty yeah. shootout that obviously to be on the losing side in a penalty shootout in a cup final must have been a hard one for you to take
1: yeah it was it was, it was tough um, especially because I missed the pen as well mm-hmm. um,
0: Jimmy Langfield saved it didn't he
1: no I put well I, I
0: put it over the bar oh yeah yeah was um, he saved from uh, Billy McKay didn't
1: he yeah yeah which I was selfishly I was quite happy that Billy or um, well, not happy but uh, it, it made me feel a tiny bit better that Billy missed the pen as well because mm-hmm. um, if it would have just been me I'd yeah, have felt a heck of a lot worse yeah um, But yeah, it was It was a real tough Tough one to take Mm -hmm. You know, it was it was because um, you know Aberdeen brought so many fans. The atmosphere was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But as you said, the the final really
0: didn't live up to anything. It certainly um, didn't. I think Russell Anderson was the closest person to scoring in the final. Did he not have an effort that was hacked off the line by someone? It was quite. It yeah. was quite a drab game. I mean, I mean obviously I remember yeah. it for Adam Rudy netting the winning penalty. But you know, I have the shirt with the 19 years and all that. But it, it was a terrible game of football. It really was.
1: Yeah, it was
0: yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely not one That's going to be remembered yeah. that way Yeah, and certainly, yeah. Not, <laughs> and certainly Not one you'll want to remember So let's move swiftly nah. On to something else Yeah, um, yeah. Let, Let's talk about Obviously that Scottish Cup bec- uh, The Scottish Cup run That you guys had The following year To, to win the Cup Because that was An extraordinary season Because that semi-final Obviously you're up Against Celtic Who are going for The treble um, And what an Unbelievable semi-final That was
1: Yeah, it was yeah, it was it was superb. I remember, I remember us going into the semi-final. You know, in Venice we we quite like to be the underdogs. Yeah. And um, that's what that we're used to that. And obviously we were in this semi-final. I just remember, you know, in the week leading up to the game, you know, John Hughes was adamant, um, let them worry about us. You know, nine times out of ten. Teams change the shape or change the sa- tactics to sort of suit Celtic in a way to sort of mm-hmm. um, stop them from playing. And we went exactly uh, completely opposite to that. We gave them something to think about, and we really passed the ball well that team under John Hughes and yeah. um, you know we caused them we caused them quite a lot of problems. and
0: obviously the infamous Meekins uh, handball. Was yeah. in there. it was a handball, wasn't had- it?
1: So I, I was stood. I was um, just about five yards away from him. I could be even, I even hit up and But yeah, it was. Yeah, I was. I was just delighted that the, the ref rest didn't see it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. It was one of them. From yeah. from that clearly. You know, we really kicked on and, and it was great to, great to win
0: unbelievable when, when you win a semi-final like that against Celtic you need a bit of luck don't you and, and obviously that was a key moment in the game but another big moment is the red card for Craig Gordon I mean wh- I mean, when you're seeing Marley Watkins go through on goal are you wanting the ball to hit the back of the net for 1-1 or are you hoping it goes past the post that Craig Gordon sees red Um. well at the time I didn't.
1: Re- you don't really have time to think about that so deep really so
0: I was just thinking, score, please score. Yeah. Because um, you're not going. You're facing Lucas Zelushka who's just come off the bench. You know, a substitute goalkeeper. That must have been quite difficult, because obviously, if you're playing against Craig Gordon, surely you would have maybe thought in your mind, "I've got an idea where I'm going, what side." But when Zelushka comes in, you know, maybe you haven't prepared for that.
1: Well, yeah, you're spot on. And um, one thing I didn't prepare for was the time it took for Craig Gordon to go off. <laughs> and the subkeeper to come on. Mm-hmm. I think it was about four or five minutes. Um and that was tough. I was stood over the ball yes. against myself, fans for about for about five minutes. And obviously in the in the in the previous year I'd missed the pen against Aberdeen. So I made I had to make sure that I scored it. Yeah. Um and I think that you know you, you look back at I look back at the videos of it and it, John Hughes couldn't even look. Yeah. he turned his back. And yeah. just, sort of playing a scored and it was um it was yeah it was a real massive relief when I did score.
0: And you're very and cheeky because you told me just a few moments ago that you don't go straight down the middle for penalties, but this penalty certainly did go straight down the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah well
1: on that one well, I was gonna mention that on that one um I was I was my stock penalty to go is across the body into the into the keeper's right side. Um, into the bottom right corner. Um, so as I was running up to that, you know, uh, the keeper sort of moved slightly, mm-hmm. and luckily enough, I seen him sort of go that way towards the corner I was going to go. So he was off balance anyway. So I, you know, it was a bit of a risk to take, but it was one I, I'm glad I did. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just stuck it in the other side where he couldn't. He
0: couldn't move off. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was very lucky seeing that. Very uh, lucky what I saw it to probably. Uh, move absolutely, up. absolutely. And then of course, so puts Inverness two one up. He was a bit of a little hero because he, nobody really had heard of him, and then he pops up with a goal against Celtic in the cup semi final. And then of course, John Gadetti scores a free kick, which you know, looking back, Ryan S and your teammate probably will know he should have done better. And then the winning goal. Is something to behold, isn't it? Because David Raven doesn't score many goals, but my goodness, what a big goal this was!
1: Yeah, it's brilliant. It really, that goal really summed up John Hughes' philosophy. You know, he had one; he had the left back crossing in, the right back scoring. Yeah, um, and that's what he wanted. John Hughes, he really wanted four backs to push on. Yeah, um, and and be attackers. Yeah. and the two midfields and the two centre backs would be sort of cleaning everything up, yeah. keeping our shape. So yeah, that was, it was. Everything came to fruition there. It was a, it was a lovely way goal. Yeah, um, and it, it was
0: great to watch. One last question on that semi-final. Obviously, Virgil Van Dyke scored in that semi-final. Did you ever think that he would go on to be the player he is at Liverpool? Oh, um, yeah.
1: I really, you know, he's, he's the best player I've ever played against. I think when he did sign for Liverpool, you know, a few of my mates said, What's he like? And I said, I don't care how much you pay for him, he's a bargain. Like, it's unbelievable. You know, I, I didn't expect him to be as good as he's, he has been. Because mm. now he's the best best defender in the world. Yeah. Bar none. Yeah. You know, no one's even close to him. Yeah. He's, he's already one of the best uh, defenders in the Premier League in the history. Yeah. yeah. Easily. Um, right up there with John Terry uh, and you know a few others um, so yeah it was it was blatantly obvious I mean he's got everything every attribute he
0: yeah. wants no, no, every but, attribute no definitely I just, I just thought I'd ask that question now we'll move on to the final and move about James Vincent yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because this game against Falkirk you've already beaten Celtic where you're the underdogs going into that final was you now the favourites
1: yeah we were and as I said before, we were used to being the underdog, so it was a massive sort of massive like change for us to, you know, be be looking at uh, in the press, the media, and sort of and they were sort of giving us the cup because of how well we've done against Celtic. They were mm-hmm. sort of giving us the cup already, um, and that's a you know that's a tricky situation to be in. Mm-hmm. Because mentally, mentally it's really, it's really draining. Any cup final's really draining before you go into it. Yeah. The week leads up to it. You know, there's there's massive, um, there's a massive press interest in it. You're doing a lot of chokes, a, lot, a lot of interviews, a lot of um, posing with the cup and taking pictures and stuff like that for the media. So, you know, that can be really draining. And to be honest, I mean, if you look at any cup final now. In the past Champions League World Cup Or whatever Players always Break down with cramp Mm. All the time And it's nothing To do with fitness Because at the end Of the season Players are as fit As they can be It's to do with The uh, nervous energy That builds up Mm -hmm. And during that game The full kick game You know We went went in 1-0 up At half time One of the easiest First halves We've had that season To be honest We were completely In control And then we came out For the second half And it was You know The second half Was a a bit of a struggle Mm -hmm. You know I felt I felt exhausted as As the uh as the second half went
0: well, on. Yeah, Carol, Carol Tremarco was sent off as well and and obviously Falkirk equalized with the with a header late in the late in the late in the second half and you're thinking okay, this is maybe heading towards extra time and then they get the winning goal and you know I have a lot of love for Jamie McDonald the Falkirk goalkeeper but it's arguably a, a save he really should be doing better with him, and James Vincent sticks in the rebound. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think you know, you're right there. Jamie McDonald's was a very good keeper. You know he was, um, but you know, with Carl from our sent off, it there was a massive sort of turning momentum, shifting momentum. You know, Falkirk really really us on the ropes. We was just sort of defending for our lives at that point. And then when Marley again broke, broke down, broke down the left hand side, um, cut inside, has the shot, which is gone wide. It's gone wide when you look at it again. Um, luckily, Jamie McDonald didn't think it was gone wide, so he's, he's passed it out to rather than the path of James Vincent, who did brilliant to get
0: on there. Yeah, yeah, a fabulous finishing. The exactly, like, the time. That's right, that's right. I remember that, of course. And it's a fabulous moment for Inverness when when Callie Thistle win a cup of that quality. That must make you feel proud as punch, doesn't it? Ah, oh, yeah, it was, it was.
1: You know, every lad, every one of the players you were involved in that will say the same. You know, it's a massive, massive um, achievement in your career. Every player wants to win trophies, yeah. so it's brilliant to do it with Maness and create a bit of history while you're doing it. Yeah, it was uh, it was, it was a great day.
0: Yeah, and that Cali team back then were were very very strong and obviously qualified to into the Europa League, where you played Astra of Romania. Um, obviously didn't get through, but what it was like? What was it like to play European football?
1: Um, yeah it was it was it was great it was something I'd always wanted to do um, it was something that you know I think we deserved definitely deserved to be there um, I think looking back at the Astro game I think we were we were the better side I still I still believe that we were the better side unfortunately but we, we sort the of lost the game with with a speculative speculative free kick, to be honest. Yeah. Just, you know, I, I Thomas is a great keeper, so it was just one of them things that happened. They that yeah. shouldn't run him, yeah. he probably knows that. But. Um, yeah, that's, the fans were great, the fans yeah. in the city really yeah. came alive yeah. The European football, it was great
0: to see And you bring up a really interesting point, which was actually coming on to my next question was about the fans around Inverness Because obviously you've got your rivals, Ross County Two very, um, obviously, lower in terms of population teams up there But very passionate about their football, aren't they, County and Cali fans? Yeah, yeah, the,
1: the, yeah, the old living football up there you know, it's a, it's a massive, uh, yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a nice little rivalry up there, mm-hmm. um, either side of the Kessick Bridge, so, yeah, it's a, it was great playing for Inverness and sort of outshining Ross County. You
0: then you then make your, uh, you may make the journey to Aberdeen, I mean, what influenced you to move to the Granite City?
1: Um, well, basically, obviously, uh, Aberdeen came in in 2016 in the January for me, and um, and was speaking to Derek McInnes at the time, back in 2016, at the time he really showed he really showed a showed a lot of commitment to me in terms of you know the money the money that Aberdeen offered. You know, yeah. he put a lot of money into to try and get me to Aberdeen, mm-hmm. um, and I was very flattered by that. So I think coming to 2017 when I did sign the pre-contract, I think I just I wanted to sort of repay him mm-hmm. repay him the favour. Yeah. Uh, of showing that, showing that loyalty to me by, you know, asking me again to come. How did
0: you find your time at Aberdeen? Because obviously that Aberdeen are regarded on paper as a really big club behind Celtic and Rangers and, and probably up there in stature with Hearts and Hibs. I mean, that's a little bit of a step up from playing for Inverness. Yeah,
1: it, it is. It is, but I think, to be honest, when you're at Inverness, you're lucky enough to be playing for... Playing in front of big crowds anyway So mm-hmm. I know the, the expectations a bit more But it's still when you get in there It's still, you know, the crowd's still the same I've played at the Toddy many times mm-hmm. So um, so it wasn't a case of a step up in that way mm-hmm. what, what basically, what happened was You know, with the injury You know, and I'd sort of I was trying to play for Aberdeen While I had a... Um, while well, I had the hernia and uh, abscess on my pelvis, which I only found out about a year later. Right. So it was it was never going to go well. Mm. From you know the first couple of months it was there it was fine, but then after the surgery I had it was mm. never going to go well after that. To be honest. That must have
0: been frustrating, have frustrating for you. Tried. That must have been frustrating for you.
1: Yeah, it was because you know it's very frustrating because you can't you can't come out and say anything because. Players do interviews and they're still playing are very guarded. One of the good things about being retired is I can pretty much say what I want because you know no one can have ever vote me and if they do, so what? Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I can be very open with things. But players sort of have the handbrake on mm-hmm. if you like when they do um, when they're doing interviews. So at that time, I couldn't say anything about it. You know, and I, I just remember getting getting a. You know, them stick off the Aberdeen fans, which is understandably, which is understandable to be honest, because they didn't know. Yeah. They didn't know. They just thought yeah. I was, I was, I was not performing, or I was sort of just mm-hmm. didn't want to play.
0: Yeah. And
1: that couldn't be further from the case. It was a, it was a very, very tough time in yeah, life. I can
0: imagine. I can imagine. Did you have a good relationship with Derek McInnes? Um. Yeah. Not not bad. Not bad. You
1: know. I I had a I had a decent relationship when he first made contact with me in uh, January 2016. Um, during the time I was at, him, at Aberdeen, so sort of during the time I was injured, it was he was he was yeah he was he was all right on the whole. You know, there's some things I wasn't really happy with, but you know he he did say to me, you know, uh, he apologised for what happened in terms of. You know, apologise for what happened to me face to face in terms of the surgeon who, who did the operation and, and whatnot, but I don't yeah, but that's what that's one of am things. But he you made the point of really saying you apologise know, apologising for sending me to that guy. Yeah. Which at the time at the time didn't really Yeah. At all,
0: nothing at all but yeah. it was nice for him to say that. Yeah it was it was a shame from my personal point of view it didn't work out for you Aberdeen because I really wanted you to do well because when I saw that you were signing for Aberdeen I was quite excited um, so it's yeah. really interesting for me to hear of why it didn't work out for you and I'm, I was really sorry to hear about what happened with your hernia and I hope that you're uh, in better fettle now.
1: Yeah um, well I mean the reason I retired is because I couldn't perform at the top level if I tried. Mm-hmm. You know, things would
2: flare up again. Yeah.
1: And I'd I've had about four operations already, and I didn't want to do any body any any more yeah. damage to be honest. Yeah. Because a long life in football, so I'm okay now. you yeah. know, I can, I can sort of keep
2: active within
1: yeah. reason.
0: Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm just trying to
1: sort of move on and do do as
0: much as I can. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. You, you have a, a last hurrah at St Mirren, um, and then obviously at at, at, um, uh, at Warrington Town as well, I mean what were those final experiences like? must have been very difficult because of the injury.
1: Yeah, it was it was very difficult. Um, the time at St Mirren was a, was a nightmare to be honest. Mm. When I went to uh, St Mirren, you
0: know, I signed. You would have played under and Kearney, wouldn't you? Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, and he, he was he was good with me at the time because he had to retire with injury in his career as yeah. well, so he was all right with me at the time, um. But yeah, it was just, you know I was trying my best to get fit for the club, which it was never gonna happen yeah. because it was I was never fit. I couldn't really yeah. couldn't, um. I was in that much pain
0: really. Yeah, when you when you when you have injuries like that that. At decide your, your career finishing it the way it is that must be quite tough to take
1: yeah it's 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 the worst type of it's the worst way to, to end the career to be honest mm-hmm. because although it was two
0: sort of two years in the making so to speak and um, I only really thought about retiring when I was at same thing, right when the physio Alan, Alan McLean said to me
1: he said to me a few times, you know, you really need to think about calling it a day because wow. you're doing yourself, you're doing yourself damage.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I remember the first time he said that, I went into into awwing, um, and I just remember bursting into tears, and um, I couldn't hold the tears back, mm-hmm. um, and it, he was really good because he he saw that, as I said, he had that experience himself where you have to yeah. call it a day, yeah. um, and you know, I, I wasn't ready in my mind, you know, coming 29, 30 in your prime as a footballer, know. you know, I'd really, looking back, you know, I'd really planned for, for that move to Aberdeen and mm-hmm. then going on again and achieving more things. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was just, it was just really, really unfortunate mm-hmm. that I couldn't do that with Aberdeen. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, same, but in the, in the end, you know, I obviously had to have another surgery, Mm-hmm. Before I retired, I didn't know. They didn't know
0: I was going to retire at that point. Yeah,
1: but um, but they refused to pay for my
0: surgery, which yeah. was just a salt in the wound, to be honest. Nice. Um, you know, so
1: they were they they turned around and said, "This is Aberdeen's problem." You know, they you know it, ha- it happened under their watch. You know, nice. it's not really our problem. Interesting. And yeah, even though that No knowing knowing that the timing of eighteen month deal mm. um them knowing that he still went back on it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, decided not to pay for it, which I didn't think was I thought it was uh, just just bad all round from
0: everything really
1: yeah. puts like, in a bad life
0: for me yeah no very interesting obviously you're retired from the game now I mean what is the future hold for yourself we're coming to the end of the podcast I've really enjoyed our chat Greg I mean what is the future yeah. holding for yourself because obviously you're you're not playing now I mean do you still have aspirations to go into coaching or other avenues
1: yeah massively I think at the, at the moment you know I'm starting my um, my scalping course scalping Doing the, doing the, all the All the levels I need You know Just five levels you need As a scout mm-hmm. So I really want to get out And watch football again Because it was a It was tough in the past When I retired To watch football And now I've got the book again So Yeah Scouting and, and coaching mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I want to really Get into them And really uh, Really push on For the next stage Of my career yep. In terms of You know I, I still want to be Involved with in football I think it's, it'd be wrong To do anything else When I've got experience I've got yeah. in football so yeah it's a, it's a no brainer for me really
0: in Scotland or in England Um, we'd have to see we'd have to see I'm obviously the coronavirus pending of course because you know at the moment yeah. we're not travelling yeah. anywhere yeah I
1: wouldn't be allowed in Scotland
0: I don't think
1: <laughs> uh, so so yeah you'd
0: I think be welcomed in the Highlands I'm sure <laughs> yeah yeah I'd love to go up there
1: again Um, but yeah yeah put it on hold for a minute
0: but yeah, I'm. I'm gonna be. Uh, gonna be getting all the all the relevant qualifications I need. Yeah. For for as soon as. Yeah. Well, I really wish you all the best because you deserve a break, especially after the last few years. There's a really interesting story that you've shared with me. And, you know, you you had some fabulous times as well, especially at Inverness. Greg Tansey, thanks for being a guest on Campbell's Fools. I really enjoyed our chat. Cheers.
1: Thank thanks
0: a lot. No. Well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91, on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's footballs.
2: What a night!